we're like potty training the kid right now and that's gotta be tough i mean yes and no i don't really know how it works it's just new things sure you know parenting is just always like things you didn't know about that's that kind could, of that could be problems. That's also like and suddenly you have to like the, solve them. That's also like the human condition, though. Like I mean, a, it being is. an adult. Yeah. Is- <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! Hello, everybody. Hi, and welcome back. Welcome back to episode three of season three of your favorite podcast, the Anhedonic Headphones Podcast 2, Electric Boogaloo. I'm your host, Kevin Krein, aka Kevy Fly, it me, ya boy. Um, thanks for checking the podcast out and coming back uh, week after week during this time of social distancing and self-quarantining trying to avoid getting that rona um if you have missed the first two episodes of this season the social distancing season or any of the uh original two seasons of this program they're all still available in myriad places on the internet including spotify and google play and apple podcasts um you can also check out anhedonicheadphones.podbean.com podbean is the service that i use to host all of these delightful episodes this is of course an extension of the award-winning music website anhedonic headphones it is where i interview people that i know usually people that i work with or have worked with and ask them about music that has been important uh, to their life my guest on the third episode of the program is a, a gal that I worked with for a little bit before she peaced out uh, shortly before the Rona pandemic came around. She's currently holed up in her house with her young child trying to finish her graduate degree. Hopefully that's working out. I think she's just baking a lot of things and putting photos out on Instagram of all the things she's baking, which is what a lot of white people are doing right now. If I knew how to bake anything, I would I would be out there too. Um, but this one is great because we had uh, nice chats about live music, and my guest today picked tunes of acts that she paid money to see live in concert. So it's a nice through line for today's program. So without much further ado, please welcome to the show my guest today... Morgan Condell Morton. Okay. Okay. I went through the whole thing last night with my husband. The songs? Yeah. Okay. Did he coach you? Did he coach you? No, no. He was like, I look forward to hearing this. This is a wildly eclectic mix yeah well so i had a i had a concept i, was I know with, i so. know and I'm, we should talk we, yeah, we gotta so talk we about can, that so we, we should talk about we should officially is. start okay well let's do this uh mm-hmm. morgan kevin <laughs> it me um thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast thank you taking, for inviting taking me. time out of your your day to slide through um 
you well first you uh are going back to school we know we worked together very briefly we did for like how long were you technically at the cup for like half a year nine months nine months almost to the day actually i realized was that like a conscious decision on your part okay to be like peace out nine months i'm out of here the calendar i was very conscious of it because i was constantly in like 90 day IEPs because I kept changing Changing, roles. So I was just very conscious of when I actually was employed. But so now you're going, you're finishing your PhD. That's, that's the plan. What is your, and you said this the other night when we were socializing, but you, what is your educate, like what is your background in and what is your like emphasis? So my degree, Mm -hmm. I have been pursuing a PhD for quite some time. In ancient Greek and Roman history. How does a person, because we are roughly in the same age demographic, how does a young person get into like history, ancient history? So when I went to college, I was planning to be like all 18 year olds. I had plans. Were you a marine? Did you want to be a marine biologist? I wanted to be a biologist. No lie. I hadn't gotten to marine though. That might have kept me in it. That would be more fun. So, Isn't that the dream of every young woman is to be a marine biologist? Probably, but I got sidetracked in high school with fruit flies of all creatures <laughs> <Okay>. and <laughs> kind of burned out on that one pretty fast, it turned out. So I went to college planning to be like a dual major in biology and studio art. I used to paint a lot. Oh, wow. Okay. I did not know that. Do you still paint? I have not much in the last few years. Okay. I kind of go on and off with it. I keep thinking I should like set up my stuff and pursue creative things it's tough to keep creativity going it is that's one of the things i've learned from talking to people on this is that they all have like not things they're trying to like pasts they're trying to outrun Mm -hmm. but things that they used to do and they are like no longer that person and it's difficult to like work their way back into it yeah so i feel like i'm you know, tiptoeing in that direction. Okay, all right. Maybe a little bit okay. on the side, but okay. I have a two and a half year old, so. You could just paint him. You could do a series yeah. of him doing things, toddling mm-hmm. around. Yeah, being crazy. <laughs> Giving me dirty looks when he, you bring him in the store. I mean, he's pretty good at that. I think I just attract that from children, because I don't know what to do around kids. He's and... just a skeptical okay. little dude. He okay. just takes a while to, you know. Okay, all right. Wait, so how did um, we so, got yeah, history. sidetracked? Yeah, Sorry, history. history. No, it's okay. So, but I also just like wanted to like have the college experience or whatever. And back then you had the paper course catalog, so you could yeah. flip through it and, yeah. you know, circle things with a highlighter and whatever. <laughs> the dark ages. Yeah, totally. They don't do that anymore. And I honestly, I think that like people probably would not have the experience that I had because I was flipping through the course catalog and my college had like distribution requirements where you had to kind of take things that in different fields to yeah, sort of yeah. give you that liberal arts I, I had that too. Vibe. And um, You know the vibes. Totally. And <laughs> that's what this podcast is all about is all about. No is specifically knowing the vibes. Knowing the yeah, vibes. Yeah. And um, there was a course in the history catalog called Alexander the Great colon psychopath or philosopher king question mark and i was like this is college (laughs) i was like yes so i took that class and it changed your life yeah okay it sounds wild yeah no and it was really fun um okay 
and I was kind of burning out on biology sure. and That's studio what... art classes were really hard to get into. Where did you go to school? I went to Wellesley College, south side of Boston. It's okay. a women's college. Okay. All right. Because you're from the East Coast originally, right? I'm from the East Coast. Yes. Okay. I grew up in New York City. Wow. And, then, and here you are in the Midwest. Yeah, here I am. It's colder here. <laughs> More snow removal involved. <laughs> so yeah, so that's how I got into okay. history. Okay. And then I took like a gap year after college. As one does, I was feeling yeah. a little, you know, fried. And, and then I went back part-time kind of beefing up my language credentials so okay. that I could apply to graduate school in ancient history because you need latin and ancient greek for that which i did some in college but i kind of come to it a little late so um and then i ended up getting into the graduate program at the university where i was doing my like part-time okay cool work so and now you're just like completing that all remotely yeah because i'm at my like dissertation phase where you know you just have to slog through it on your own no matter where you are geographically so Cool. Here's as good as any place else. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're probably going to spend a lot of time at coffee shops writing then, huh? What I really need to learn how to do is sit at home by myself and write better. But Ooh, in the that in the interim, daunting. yeah, in the interim, I'm treating myself to to the coffee shops um, of our fair of our town. town. Yeah. Shout out to all the coffee shops in Northfield. Yes. Um, so you have for the podcast. You have selected eight songs. I did. And bless your heart for coming up with a theme because nobody has really done a theme. Oh, really? Re- like, not recently. Mm. Maybe early on there was like some kind of thematic elements. Well, but when you asked me about it, I yeah. initially was like, I am not qualified for Oh, everyone this. is qualified to be on the podcast. As long um, as you can, as long as you listen to music and you can talk about the music that you listen to, yeah. then... So, so coming up with a theme helped me to okay. get past that initial anxiety of I couldn't possibly care in a conversation, a, have enough to talk about <laughs> in a podcast. <laughs> the people who have declined being on the podcast have been people who actually just straight up don't listen to music. And I'm kind of like, yo, what's up with that? But like everybody's different. I do different, listen so, to music, okay, okay. but when I'm by myself, I don't often. You just prefer contemplative on, silence? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Um... I find music kind of distracting, so if I'm trying to do something else... It can be. Um, I have reached the point where I can't do, like, reading or other writing with music that has lyrics. Yes, Especially exactly. if I know it, and if it's, like, something I want to vibe out to. Exactly. So I listen to a lot of um, either jazz or ambient droning mm-hmm. when I'm reading or doing something else. Yeah. And then if I'm just, like, hanging out, I will put on something that I know. Yeah. Yeah, and probably I should just, like, identify some that, like, doesn't interfere but is pleasant to listen yeah. to. Because that ambient, might be nicer than The ambient droning the I would silence. not recommend. That's usually not pleasant. It's usually kind of spooky. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I have to spend nights in my son's room with his white noise machine, so I feel like I get enough of that in my life. <laughs> the ominous whoosh. That's what I love about at the, at the where, we used, where you used to work, where we worked, the... Uh, ominous whoosh in front of the HR office. Yes, totally. <laughs> yeah, no, when I saw that, I was like, that's funny because I use that for babies. Um. <laughs> we have a three-hour um, YouTube rip of rain 
that we mm. use to fall asleep that it just plays on a my old cell phone hooked yeah. up to the speaker because uh, the ominous whoosh is probably not great for yeah, sleeping. Yeah, this, this has some kind of like rainy type element to it, okay. but, but it's mostly pretty whooshy and he <laughs> likes it pretty loud. And I find it really kind like, of challenging. Yo, little, yo, little homie, why why do you like this so loud? I mean, whatever works. I guess so. But your so your, your through line with this, and you told me this in advance. It was uh, concerts that you've been to. Yeah, and these are like concerts I've like had tickets to. It's not that I've never seen other live music beyond this, but these were like kind of like big shows that like bought tickets to and went to and that I don't have not done a ton in life okay I definitely don't do it now because we have like a small child and no family in this area um but also I like was not allowed to go to shows when I was like a teenager my parents were very strict not but you grew much would let me out of the house I know I grew up in New York I was like well that's so wild because like how many great venues yeah, we're in New York City that you could have just like gotten to relatively easily. Totally. And like there are plenty that were like all ages venues that I could, you know, that I had friends that went yeah. to in high school. But my wow. parents were like, wow, kept a kept a short leash. So I see I grew up in a very rural area in um, northwestern Illinois. Mm-hmm. And so like Chicago was the closest major city but it was also right. like three hours yeah that's a hike and so i never really went to concerts by f- and we can talk about this because i presume i'm gonna presume you open with your first concert experience is that correct oh yeah because i have something i have a similar first concert experience nice. so let's talk about you let's talk about um you picked in sync in sync bye 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 Attached, yeah. Because my first major concert experience, apart from like being dragged along to like little classical things with my parents that were not, you know, formative, um, was the No Strings Attached tour, the year 2000. Oh, different times. Different times. Simpler times. Yeah. A more innocent time, one would argue. I mean. Yeah. This is like pre 9-11 pop music. This is representative yeah, of a different time. Totally. So, but how old were you in the year 2000? I was 13. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm a youngster. And, um, <laughs> and my, one of my 
friends, her parents had agreed to like take her and some friends to this insane concert. And was this at like? It was an effort to talk my parents into it because a it was not cheap. I, I bet. don't remember how much it cost, but I think like I probably used allowance money towards some of it, and the, but I that probably wasn't like enough. So was this at like Madison Square Garden, or is this someplace? It was like, not at the Garden. Okay. And I was looking into it, and I was like, I think I saw it at the Meadowlands, and so I had to kind of figure out. I think I was misremembering what time of year I saw it. I was thinking it was spring, but I think it was actually in a November tour okay. date. I looked at okay. the tour dates. And, wow, that's um, good research. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and they did play at the Meadowlands, which is in New Jersey, which is like where the Nets used to play before gotcha. they moved to Brooklyn sure. and with Jay-Z and all that. So. Yo, I bought the Nets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what I remember, I knew, I was positive it was in New Jersey because I remember going through one of the tunnels oh, from okay. New York City okay. that goes out to New Jersey because we stopped on the approach to the tunnel and bought bootleg sync concert t-shirts. Oh my God. Which do you I, still have? I don't still have God. it because I went through my like shame period of like, <laughs> like shortly oh, after liked, this, like shortly, you know, after. like later teen years, sure. early college, yeah. just the yeah. insecure times understand. of like yeah. shame that shame. you, I understand that completely. The boy bands. Yeah. Um, which I no longer have such shame, and now I'm sad I don't have that T-shirt anymore. I'm glad that you came back around because this is very janky. The bootlegs, bootlegs go. T-shirts. Oh, yeah. Was it like somebody just out like standing with like a little cart of bootlegs, um, or like, like a, little... a box like on a median in the it's approach perfect. to the it's perfect. And I think they were like you know kind of like homemade iron-on kind of situations. So you know, faded fast. <laughs> Because I'm sure a real instant concert t-shirt was probably pretty pricey. Yeah, and I don't think any of us got any like merch at that. You show. didn't buy like, like a pennant or no, a have, button or yeah, a tour no. like a tour book. No, I don't okay. think so. Okay, that's okay. I think I had like some like instinct posters that like came as like foldouts from oh. like you know young teen, beat. teen magazine teen beat. type of situations. Tiger beat. Cosmo Girl or whatever the <laughs> hell it was. I forgot that Cosmo Girl was a thing. It was a thing. Um, I'm pretty sure I subscribed to that for a little bit there. Um, as one does. As one does. Yep. But so, like, uh, how, as your first concert, your first real concert, how transformative was it? Oh, I especially mean, it was to like see. So cool. Especially to see NSYNC as a teen girl. I mean, they were so huge then. Oh, yeah. It was like oh, yeah. so cool. And you could ignore the fact that we were like there with like parents. parents. They weren't my parents. So it didn't, that part didn't matter. My parents wouldn't have been caught dead there. But, um, <laughs> but the your no par- strings your, attached to Your parents was like, were more Backstreet fans, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe even they 98 just, degrees. They didn't bond yeah. With yeah. Timberlake. Um, and his ramen hair. This was the ramen hair phase for it sure. It was totally the ramen hair phase. I had a poster on my wall of him with the ramen hair.
So is this a wild show, though? It's a pretty wild show because the No Strings Attached tour and the video for this song um, does this, too. But, like, they, the concept is that they're, like, marionettes. Yes, yeah. And some, like, kind of evil woman is pulling the strings. Yeah, it's very strange, actually. I watched the video last night and I was like, well, it's just confusing. Um <laughs> You can't really figure out, like, maybe there's a backstory to it. Maybe she is evil, but it's not explained. I don't know if there's an elaborate backstory for the... But there aren't they, like, in action figure boxes, too? I think that on, like, the um, prom, like on the album cover okay. and stuff like that, okay. they're, like, they're, like, dolls inside okay. a, like, Barbie box type of situation. Yeah, but, it was like um, a, I would think But was... they come out at the beginning of the concert uh-huh. on like wires oh wow with their arms and legs like attached to like oh you know strings of some kind so they flew out for the opening number and then they like you know lose their shake off their yeah strings as one does yeah because it's no strings attached exactly exactly (laughs) and and immediately go into like some you know very impressive dance sequence yeah. So it was a very high energy show. Sounds like it. It was fun. I mean, it's yeah. like probably exactly what you want as, as a, 13, a 13 year old yeah. girl. Um, so were you, when did you reach your shame phase? Like, Not long thereafter. Okay. So that was like my last year of middle school okay. was when I saw this concert. Okay. And then, you know, that was like a period where people were starting to like get into like emo music and indie stuff. And I had a friend that was going to a lot of like all ages shows in New York. So she was like getting me CDs of like, you know, angsty teen dashboard. Probably. I don't think I ever owned any dashboard, but you know, in that the vibes. Yeah. And I remember they had another album coming out like the next summer. Yeah. And I remember going to virgin megastore to buy it like the day it came out but feeling like a little ashamed of myself already (laughs) did you put on like a disguise you have like a trench coat and like a big but i just carmen san diego hat sort of like being like i don't feel cool that i'm doing oh let's do by by 2001 i think kind of the boy band stuff started to and yeah fade out yeah Yeah. no they were all breaking up and going off and yeah you know having various degrees of solo careers and yeah so Um, did you i'm gonna guess you probably didn't watch the lance bass movie then on the line no lance bass joey fatone that sounds familiar but yeah no i don't think i did so I, my first concert, my first concert experience, I was seven years old and a girl that I was friends with in school, Mm -hmm. shout out to Janelle, she, her parents got her tickets to the new kids on the block. Whoa. Yeah. That's cool. And I went with her to this. It was in Rockford, Illinois at the Metro Center. And we had terrible seats that were behind the stage. Oh, and so we really couldn't see. Stage. We really couldn't see a ton. We were pretty high up, as I, I bet. recall. I bet. We were far from the action, but, but not behind it. So I think they've kind of stopped doing that at shows where they put people behind the stage and they like stop the seat plot at a certain point. Yeah, but or yeah. they do the like thing where it is an actual three sixty. Oh, show, like around in the round like for yeah. the stadium. Yeah, tours, but um. Yeah, so we were behind the stage, and I was there. Uh, and then, you know, again, because you reach a point where it's it's 
kind of fun and quaint to tell people that my first concert was New Kids on the Block mm-hmm. when at like the peak, like the beginning of their their peak. Yeah. Like step by step and all those big hits from like 89, 90. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's not, there was a time where it wasn't cool to be like, oh, I saw New Kids on the Block. Yeah. So uh, th- my first actual like rock concert was um, see in Milwaukee seeing the Deftones and Incubus. Mm. I was 17. That is significantly more hardcore. Yeah. So <laughs> that was when I was like a hardcore teen with spiky hair and a chain wallet. And nice. yeah, yeah. I miss all of that. But yeah, the yeah. chain wallets. I know. I miss my chain wallet every day. I mean, you can't lose those. No. You can't. Not that I'm at risk of losing my wallet, but it was just like neat to have a giant piece of metal dangling off of my waist. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I always have like anxiety about losing things. <laughs> so, so maybe, maybe I should hunt one of those down. <laughs> Your kid's just gonna tug on it while you're I mean, walking. That would be a bonus. So, but toys. you, at what point did you come back around on Insync to be like, this is pretty good, or this was okay, or this was like? I mean, I feel like by my late twenties, I kind of stopped giving a shit about what other people thought. <laughs> Which was refreshing. (laughs) Um, And I was able to just embrace the fact that, like, you know, I like what I like and I have enjoyed what I enjoy. And, you know, it has a place. And it it was really fun. I bet. Yeah. That's wild. And and I'm not, you know, I think by my late 20s, I kind of reconciled with the fact that, like, I'm not particularly cool. What? And so I don't need to, like, try to be or to convince people that I am. <laughs> um, I have recently come around on a lot of pop music from the 90s. And it's then really like, enjoyable sometimes. Yeah. You know, it has it has its moments where... And because I was an uh, angsty teenage boy during those years, I definitely, I definitely was not like, you know, this Britney Spears song is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. But now, 20 years later... Britney had some quality tunes when baby one more time comes on i am going to wild the fuck out yeah have you did you ever catch me and wes and at work wiling out to britney spears in the kitchen no okay this is the thing that happens this is what you miss on the front the front end (laughs) i don't know if like i'm one of your like passes through the you know kenny g elevator jazz and (laughs) yeah yeah there is that and the customer service oriented propriety yeah no there's he somehow britney spears showed up in his google play algorithm and we just have embraced it yeah yeah so no the early britney is like really fun and poppy and then she kind of like got a little more edgy like in like the toxic era yes toxic Toxic is also very good song yeah. yeah and then she had her time but you then know, she's better now yeah, i think i i now feel she's just for Brittany. Living, yeah she's just living her life yeah yeah she's just you know we all have our moments we all have our stuff most of us don't have to deal with it quite that publicly <laughs> <laughs> um is there anything else you want to say about Insync or bye 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 like what was this just like the i mean because this is what they probably opened with i think right? this was what the opening okay, number okay. was and i feel like this was like the really big sing. i mean this was probably, the lead single off of that album yeah it was the lead single i feel like it was just you know and you know we used to dance to it and do the hands yeah the hand thing is just, good yeah. yeah i um you know justin timberlake is kind of problematic some of his solo stuff is it's a little questionable. I mean, he gets pretty raunchy sometimes. Yeah, so I haven't it, actually listened to a ton of it. Some of it is really great. I some feel of like it is justified 
is I, it, it's, I, that's a really good was album. was a good yeah. album that I, that I listened to, and I, I don't think I've really followed him since. He has had some missteps, but he's oh, yeah. also done some some pretty good things. But um, Gone, which is an in-sync song off of Pop, oh yeah, which is really good. I that like that is one. Good one. Yeah. yeah, no, and they got a little. I mean, you could like understand why the band broke up shortly yeah. thereafter yeah. because like they were getting a little too grown for <laughs> teens for the, for the teeny bopperness. Is there anything else you want to say about this one before we scoot to the dra- something drastically different? Um, yeah, drastically different. Yeah. No, I mean I'm good, but okay. just like yeah. No, okay. I'm down. I'm down for my my pop past. Okay. Well, that's okay that you're uh, embracing it now and not hiding it in mm-hmm. a closet somewhere. I had like a rap metal past when I was a teenager. Yes. And I definitely have kind of been a little more open about that now mm-hmm. in recent years. But there is a time where I was like sh- ashamed. Yeah. No, I'm glad I've just gotten out of that period of my life where I'm like worried about what people will think about things that yeah. I yeah. enjoyed. If I enjoyed like, them. If you had like a, do you have like a CD booklet in your car full of like sync CDs that you are not afraid if people find now? I think I might still have a few kicking around like that have just migrated with me in boxes through various moves. Yeah. I don't have a CD player currently. A lot of people don't, um, and that's okay. And like my laptop doesn't like, have a CD drive. No, no, the new one doesn't, and yeah. that's just kind of annoying. Yeah, I had to buy a separate one. Yeah, you have to buy the and I think we one. have a separate one, but I'm not totally sure where it is. Moving is just I understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is quite a juxtaposition. Watermelon Man, Herbie Hancock. I'm not familiar. Yeah. I was not familiar with this one. I listened to a little bit of it before you came by, and it's uh, pretty wild. Did you find his like original recording or I guess he did kind of. So Herbie Hancock got into like more like electronic yeah. jazz and yeah. stuff later and I guess re-recorded this. That's the one I heard. Is oh. that not the right one? Is there a different one? The one I was intending was his like original recording of this, which I think is from like the 60s or 70s. Okay, I will have to. Like from the period where he was, you know, closer to playing with like Miles Davis. Or, gotcha. Like, and and he plays it with just kind of like a straight jazz quartet. The, the thing that comes up right away when you search for it is like the post rocket. Yeah, and I don't think I'd realize. One. Right. And okay. I don't think I'd realize that he'd re recorded it. My husband just like told me about that last night and i was like okay we might be thinking of different (laughs) things tomorrow so then yeah i'm totally uh totally i'll have to get that one and drop it in but so so the reason why i picked that one is because when i saw herbie hancock yeah when did you see herbie hancock i saw herbie hancock i was in high school so it's probably like 2003 ish somewhere in there and i saw him live at the blue note oh playing with a 
like just straight jazz quartet. Okay. Okay. Um, all acoustic. Okay. Um, and I wasn't really, ex- I didn't really know about Herbie Hancock's canon of kind work. Of yeah. Acid, jazzy, electronic oeuvre. <laughs> However the hell you say yeah, that that's word. Like ten, that's like a, you're throwing $10 words around know, in the podcast. Right? Yeah. Um, there we go. There we go. Um, because I, I mostly I knew about him through my dad, who okay. was not really that into that era of jazz. The more experimental stuff was not what he played at home. So I don't think I knew until much, much later in life that Herbie Hancock had gone in that direction. I the just 80s, knew his early The eighties were a weird time for everybody, but yeah, jazz got super yeah. weird. No, and like he did that kind of like late Miles Davis bitches brew go yeah. off the rails yeah. experimental thing, which is cool. Not like pleasant dinner music, but No. No. <laughs> But yeah, so I picked that one because he played an acoustic okay. set. Okay. Um, Are you a big jazz person? I or were you a big jazz grew person? up around okay. a lot of jazz. Okay. Like my dad played a lot of jazz at home. Okay. Um, and then I think as a result, I of course like had my period where I like didn't want to listen to any because it was, you know, yeah. parentally associated. <laughs> um. And then, like, I do listen to my husband's into jazz too, and has like a good collection of jazz records. So, like, we listen to jazz at okay, home, and I've okay. kind of gotten you back know out of it. the rebellious phase sure, of sure. my life. I'm back into not giving a shit. So, um. So yeah, so now I do listen to more jazz, okay. but again, I don't really listen to like the experiments. So it's jazz. more like 50s, 60s, cool jazz. Like Coltrane yeah, and yeah. Lee Morgan, okay. and, you know, just okay. stuff that's pleasant, pleasant to listen yeah, to, but yeah. not that you have to like, 
you know, get all cerebral about. Yeah. Necessarily. Usually when I talk about jazz music with people, I tell them that uh, it's the notes that they're not playing. <laughs> and some people think that's funny and some people are like, wait, what? And I'm like, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and like, yeah, you know, like I grew up like on like Ella Fitzgerald oh, okay. and Louis Armstrong okay. and right. stuff so like that too. Classic, I'm still, yeah, still stuff. enjoy that okay. kind of okay. stuff too. Okay, 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 okay. Um, so the my blue- husband recently bought me a Patsy Cline double record Ooh. at one of the vintage stores in okay. town and rarely for him did not check both records and came home and it's a double album of Patsy Cline and Louis Armstrong. <laughs> not intentionally. <laughs> huh. huh. But I'm kind of digging it. Huh. I'm kind of digging both both huh. parts. That's fascinating. It's weird. <laughs> so someone somewhere has... So half like, of a Patsy Cline album and, and half I would say of a... not necessarily the best half of it. So I hmm. feel like I lucked out. Hmm. That's that's so strange. It is. I've never thought to do that, but I don't buy a lot of used albums, so I never really check those things. But then yeah. I guess you got to worry about that, especially in like a vintage shop. Yeah. No, I made fun of my husband a lot for this Ooh. because he like oh, never no. doesn't oh. check the records, yeah. and I was yeah. like, what? oh no i'm enjoying it anyway. okay all right cool um what's the blue note like um i mean it's legendary i have so i've only been there the one time okay and i i was thinking about this i think the reason why we went it's really expensive it's like the most expensive jazz club in new york sure um as one as one does yeah i mean which was not like a norm for my childhood but my dad was really into jazz and I think wanted us to have the experience and I think they were talking about closing the venue oh, at that okay, time, which okay. I don't think they actually did. I was looking into this a little bit and I don't think they actually have. And I don't know if it's that they started opening like other like blue note locations. Like, oh, it's like a franchise around the world. Like house of blues. Totally. Yeah. It kind of is now. So maybe that helped them keep it alive. Cause a lot of the clubs were closing down in New yeah. York, like during my teenage years yeah. because people were starting to like run out their leases you know, New York is like really big on like the 30 year lease. Oh, okay. And so if you started something in the 80s or like, <laughs> you know, real estate had changed. <laughs> I also assume the cost point, of living and like the cost of having something like a functioning venue or anything in New York yeah. is probably ridiculous. And also, I don't think people go out to see music the way that they used to. Well, it's not really affordable. It's not affordable, but also like, you know, people just want to stay, stay at home, home and watch netflix and stuff because you can but that didn't used to be an option (laughs) um so so yeah so we went to the blue note we were not of legal drinking age oh okay so you had to buy tickets and then it was like a two drink minimum Uh uh-huh so that's like two 16 dollar cokes right there (laughs) but uh like i had two glasses of water they were great (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah so like we were like you know we were teenagers, yeah, but okay. we were the we were the kids at the Blue Note that that night, which is a little weird. Um, but it was cool, you know. Like you sat at these small tables, yeah. you're really up close and personal with the musicians. Yeah. I was like probably like two feet from the bassist. Oh wow! And you know, it's like an old school upright yeah, bass, which yeah. I love. Yeah. Um, and actually, I mostly remember watching him. I had okay. a love hate relationship with the piano at that time. I'd played piano. Oh, like I took lessons. Do you still play? I do not. Okay. I took lessons from a bunch of years of my okay. childhood okay. and it got like, got negative. Do you, so I know your husband plays a lot of music, but do you play anything? 
I don't really okay. currently. I okay. have some um, aspirations to learn how to play the drums. Oh, okay. It's been a lifelong okay. dream. And okay. My husband got me an electronic drum kit. Oh my god! For my birthday. Oh my so god! So I need to like get someone to give me some lessons. That's so awesome. That start wailing. <laughs> Right now, my they, the drum kit is like kind of s- halfway set up, and my son, who's like two and a half, likes to sit and pretend to play the drums. And I'm like, dude, I think you might be better than me already. Anyway, I had that's we'll great. I I have always wanted one of those electronic drum kits. I mean, it's nice because you're not gonna like alienate all of your neighbors. Yeah, wake up your you can sleeping just children. Put on your headphones. Yeah, yeah you just, and plug it in just your sounds headphones. like a dull thudding sound when you are going to town right, yeah no yeah. it's really quiet if you're not okay that's so cool in. oh my gosh so yeah so this is one of my your solo project's gonna drop it's just you drumming away yeah totally <laughs> with hot freestyles over the top yeah, of it. it's just me and neil pert um <laughs> Anything else about Herbie Hancock? No, I really enjoy this period okay. of Herbie Hancock. Okay, okay. Like, it's not, you know, his wacky stuff. But <laughs> anyway, but he was playing this. This is the early 2000s. And like, so he was still sometimes doing this instead of his like electronics. Well, stuff. he put out shortly, I, this would have been in 2005, he put out an album, like a Santana esque collaboration album called mm. Possibilities. Mm. And it's like pop singers of the time. 
singing with him doing the music. I remember that Santana album that came out with like the Matchbox. Yeah, smooth. Yeah. Yeah, because I made my parents take me to the Virgin Megastore. To get that? Did you cop that? To get that album. And I was like, I'm going to get this CD. It's by someone you've never heard of, Santana. And my parents like to this day make fun of me for that. But I was like blissfully unaware that like he had been a thing for a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had no idea. That's ama- That's amazing. That's got some good songs on it. That's got Maria, Maria. Maria. That's a good yeah, song. You yeah, you know, I enjoyed that album. And again, like that was later an album that I was like ashamed of slightly. Not the Santana part of it, but you the know, Rob the, the Rob Thomas aspect. <laughs> I've come around on that song. It's actually pretty fucking good. I, you know, I enjoy it. Um, but so the only reason I know about this Herbie Hancock thing possibility is because there's a version of Don't Explain with Damien Rice and Lisa Hannigan singing hmm. the vocals. I'll have to check this out. Super duper depressing. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. Maybe I'll check that out like when the sun starts coming out again. I would say do it to, like tonight at sunset. Nice and bleak. <laughs> I just like sad white people music. I mean, so because it's my demographic. That's fair. I'm sad and white. So I mean, yeah, aren't we all? <laughs> Deep down, yes. <laughs> uh. And this is like another, there's so many contrasts of shows you have purchased tickets to. Yeah. So Dylan. Yeah. And now this is, and this is the first, and I tape all these episodes with uh, not in order in mind of when they're going to be like aired. I just tape them all. So like Mm -hmm. last season, season two, almost everybody, except for one per, I think two people. So three out of five episodes, Mm -hmm. somebody picked Bob Dylan. Well, and so I'm assuming the Minnesota connection is... I don't know if some people just really like Bob Dylan. I mean, I guess like, yeah, he's just a big deal. deal. I don't know. But the, the question that I asked of everybody and people didn't find this joke very funny is who do you think is the more influential of the Dylans, Bob or Jacob? Okay, so I noticed this on your podcast yeah. and like jacob dylan is like not a thing in my psyche so i feel ill-equipped to answer that question <laughs> who is more influential for me bob but, okay. because i kind of didn't know about jacob <laughs> oh, no. i know you didn't fuck with the wallflowers um i did a little bit but not really knowing who, who they did? were oh, okay that's okay yeah. that's all right I just like that joke is so funny to me and mm-hmm. people people take it like they're like what what do you that's No, what, I went through that? a period of enjoying the wallflowers. I don't know if I had Everybody did. I think that might have been during like my Napster period where I had a couple couple random wallflower songs, but They were big for a minute. But, but like I didn't know, know that that was Jake, that was yeah, Bob Dylan's kid. Was, yeah, no. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, or if I did, I didn't remember it. That's okay. So. I mean, so, I yeah. grew up like watching Bob. a lot of VH1 and MTV and seeing the video for One Headlight and um, yeah, Sixth I'm, Avenue Heartache. Yeah, well, and I knew both of those songs, but I just don't think I, and if I did know about the connection, I didn't remember it. That's okay. Actively. I mean, Jacob Dylan's not really a thing anymore. Womp womp. <laughs> I mean, I think he still plays with like an iteration of the Wallflowers, but they play it like festivals in small towns and so like the 30 somethings in the surrounding area mm. come out and feel nostalgic i mean i could rock that yeah i don't know it was a friend of mine mm. who listened to that one of the episodes where the person did not know who jacob dylan was at all <laughs> was like i feel so old i like the wallflowers they came through this thing in cedar rapids <laughs> everybody really liked it i mean yeah they across my big brass bed Stay, lady, stay. Stay with your man a while. Until the break of day, let me see you make them smile. His clothes are dirty, but his, his hands are clean. And you're the best thing that he's ever seen Stay, lady, stay Stay with your man and wife So I saw Bob. Yeah, Lay, Lady, Lay. And I'm not a big Dylan guy. I've tried. I've tried on multiple occasions. And I mean, it's just not my thing. That's totally fair. So yeah. my dad was a huge Dylan guy. Still is, but was a like crazy when I was growing up and I hated Bob Dylan for most of my childhood because because like, of your parents I regularly woke up to blonde on blonde like <laughs> almost on the daily and I was like fuck this dude and his whiny voice but now you've apparently and then come in around my, on well it. in my teenage years I started to actually enjoy him okay and then I went through a period of denying that because I was still annoyed at my father <laughs> Shout out to your dad. Shout out to dad. Um, but so Bob Dylan was playing. We were on like a family vacation. Okay. On Fire Island. Which okay. is famous for having been this like kind of like big party place where you could be free and gay at a period where that was not as much of a thing. Okay. So it's like an, a small like barrier island uh-huh. I think in the Long Island Sound or something like that. But it, now it's a tourist destination? Well, so some of the towns were more like quiet, sleepy, just like okay. working class beach towns. Okay. You know, less fancy than the Hamptons. Okay. But similar beach vibes. And um, You spend a lot of time in the Hamptons? No. Okay. <laughs> different different demographics. <laughs> Diddy never invited me to the White oh, Party. Oh, no. And here I am trying to get invited to the Rock Nation brunch, too, hoping mm. that I get that invite from Jay-Z. I mean, Here's best of luck yeah, to you. <laughs> so we actually left our family vacation because my dad wanted us to go see Dylan. He'd gone to Dylan concerts yeah. before, but we'd never gone with him. And so, so this would have been in like the 90s, like 90s Dylan? No, or this 80s? is like, I was thinking about this and I think this is like 2004 because oh, I wow. remember we were vacationing. We only did this one or two summers that we went out to this Fire Island thing and like got, you know, rented a house for like a few days and I remember one of them was the 2004 summer Olympics year because okay. there was this like really big fold out section on Michael Phelps 
and I was like really I was like really into the swimming that year um Every, so it's very that, easy to get Olympic fever. Yes, and I, I not, had the fever that year. I am not sportsy at all, but when the I, Olympics are on, the Summer Olympics especially, yeah. we end up watching them and you end up getting sucked in by captivating totally. stories. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I am I think this might be okay. Summer 2004. Wow. And okay. he was playing like kind of a festival show, so sure. we like took the ferry back and went to see the show and... It was a double ticket mm-hmm. Willie Nelson, Bob Dylan. Wow. We did not arrive in time for Willie Nelson, okay. nor did I really know shit about Willie Nelson. We did not grow up in a country household. And I now and a lot of people were leaving the show when we showed up to see Bob Dylan. Because they were there for Willie Nelson. Because, yeah. And also Willie Nelson, I now know, is supposed to be like awesome live. And Bob Dylan is uneven at best. <laughs> That's what I've heard. Yeah. So my dad has seen him a couple of times and swears that it was actually like a good show. Like he had a good band and his voice sounded good and stuff. But he's seen him a handful of times. And this was one of them where that was not so much the case. And I picked Lay 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 because I like the Nashville Skyline album a lot. I love the sound of it. Um, But man, did Bob Butcher that poor song. Oh, no. And it was like I actually found I was looking for it to play it for my husband last night and i found a live version that was like a remarkably similar one to what i heard and i just like i played the two like the studio version and and this like uh live clip i found on youtube and i was like do you understand what i'm saying and live it was like They across that big bass bed and i was like my sister and i both had this feeling and we talked about it later for years about just like how violating it was to just have like creepy old man Bob yeah. Dylan singing was, Lay Lady is Lay this, at us. Is this like when he had like fedora era, weird mustache it's, era? Yeah, okay. it's 100% in that era. You can have your cake and eat it too. why he's so uneven is like he tours constantly yeah. at the time he was touring like something like 280 days a year i think jeez and so like his voice is shot most of the time because he's just yeah touring too much he's an old man and um i guess the quality of his backup band like has fluctuated 
and I don't know what that's about. <laughs> um, but maybe it's just trying to get a band to play with you all those tour dates. Yeah. So the, I have heard that the I remember he played in the cities on the eve of the election in 2008. I remember, mm. and I think somebody that I was working with at the time was going or thinking about going, and they said that it took his voice a couple of songs to get warmed up. Yeah, and, and I don't feel... I mean, he was warmed up to a degree. I mean, yeah. like, if you listen to his, like, newer albums, like, the vocal quality is not that far off, probably, from what I heard. But yeah. when he tries to sing some of his older stuff, yeah, that sort of... <laughs> I would say requires mm-hmm. different vocal chops than what maybe he currently has. I mean, he's, he's it's not as successful. Is he in his mid seventies now? Yeah, he's not young. He's still he just played in Mankato in the fall. Oh yeah, yeah, at the Verizon Wireless Center. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's reached that point in his career. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine. I mean, people are into Bob Dylan, I know. so I would imagine that people come out for him. And are my dad more said forgiving that, of his. Well, yeah. I don't know. It felt it was very creepy at the time. I wouldn't. I probably would not go see Bob Dylan live again after yeah. this experience. Like that sounds, his albums are more enjoyable to listen to. It, that's not, I. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awful. But yeah, Lay Lady Lay was just like, oh, Oof. a nice Woof. song that you like. Oof. Just put the hurt on, dude. <laughs> this one's going out to the strip joints. Yo, meet me at Susie's Rendezvous for a go go bar. I'ma send this one out to the Jimmins Club, Magic City, New York Dogs, Rolex. I be seeing y'all up in there late at night. Venus. I understand when your girl's stressing you out. Crazy you know girls. Don't let the ladies fool y'all now, fellas. They be doing the same thing y'all be doing. Turn up my symphony, man. Turn up my symphony. Drop a beat. I'm in paradise. Look at all these crystals. What's up with scores? Straight up, this the new anthem for everybody working hard trying to make that giddy money. Up, giddy Check up, it out. Giddy up, giddy up. Just cause she dances, go, go. It don't make her a whole no. Backseat with your retros on horn. We going to the disco. We gonna be hilo. To Mexico. Called up my mama, said I'm in love with this stripper, yo. Ten grand, let me see you shake it like you got no bones in your body. And you was made to be a celebrity. Twenty grand, no, it's a sin, but Um, so again, in a, star- in a startling contrast, Wyclef. Wyclef, who opened for Shakira, which oh, our next okay, I was like, well, how did now this is like, yeah, this is like, this is wild, like the way and because you've, you've done this chronologically in your life. Mm-hmm. So now we're getting into like, we're in my college, years. college years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forgot about this Wyclef album. Yeah, so he was opening for Shakira yeah. for at least some portion of this tour that okay. she was on, which was the Oral Fixation Tour. Sure. Um, which, this was my sophomore year in college, okay. so this is like 2006. Okay. Um, and at the time, I was living with, I was living in a triple dorm room Okay. with two girls that I'd met my freshman year, uh-huh. one of whom was from El Salvador. Okay. And so we listened to a lot of Spanish language music okay. around the dorm. Um, and then exclusively to but, Shakira. But the, <laughs> no, actually, but <laughs> um, she was in there. And um, so Carlota and Steph, my roommates and my other friend, Hannah had gotten tickets for this concert and they'd asked me if I wanted to go, but like the tickets were like kind of steep. And I was like, 
you know, didn't have a lot of expendable income. Yeah. I was not yeah. really sure that I cared enough to want to go for uh-huh. like 80 bucks or whatever wow. it was. Um, and, but then Hannah couldn't go last minute okay. and offered me the ticket and I decided I would buy it off of okay. her. Um, cause at that point I was kind of feeling like, oh, this sounds like it would be a fun like group experience or whatever. <laughs> so I didn't, you know, I hadn't really planned to go, so I hadn't like really looked into what this was going to be. And I don't think I knew before showing up at the venue, which is like the stadium where like the Celtics play. Okay. So it was like a big, a big show, big yeah. show. Um, that Wyclef was opening okay. for her. And I was kind of like, this is interesting. And he played a lot of like the Fuji's sure. kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, that's what people want to hear. Yeah, totally. And that's actually probably what I more remember him doing at the actual concert. I was blessed with a body of the goddesses. Had you any idea how hard it is? I complex in 25 positions, but I only work here to pay my tuition. Yo, tantalize and teaser. Tabletop pleaser. Give me what I need. Master Carter Visa. Lap dance fancy. Picture us on an all white campaign. Wyclef extended his hand to me. Like Billy B said he failed me. Take me away from here. So far. When they ride horses, no cars, no more stripping in pause. Me and you clap against the odds. Uh, just cause she that's global, it don't make her a whole no. Vaccine, put your red shoes on horn. We go into the disco. We gonna eat low. Too many go. Call up my mama, said I'm in love with this strip for yo. Just cause she dances global, it don't make her a whole no. Vaccine, put your red shoes on horn. With your girls front like the Budweiser commercial talking about ah, ah, I don't be going to the strip joints. You lying, man. You be surprised who you see up in there, man. I got one question for you liars, man. Shot caller. What are you a preacher? You calling her a hooker? He without sin cast the first stone. I met her on the subway. Wycliffe song get your problematic alarm ready is he says something about this one goes out to the strip clubs or something yeah and and then he like name drops a bunch of actual New York strip strip clubs that I remember like driving by when I was a kid so um I mean we're we're not here to shame sex workers here on the podcast so I mean just because she's dancing go-go that don't make her a ho no so I know most of the song, wow. most of the lyrics to this wow. song because my friend Steph used to play this song and she knew all the words. Yeah. So we all learned all the words. And I always thought it was called Gentleman's Club. And I think it was because she had like given it to me like on a 
like a flash drive oh, or a okay. CD I was or like something that you downloaded off of Napster and it was mistagged. It was mistagged. Yeah. And okay. I didn't realize it was mistagged until like yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. When I, because I don't even think that I've tried to listen to it in a long time, although I've probably sang it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I went to look for it on like YouTube. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's called Perfect Gentleman. Who knew? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> In my mind, it will always be called Gentleman's Club, but okay. that is not accurate. Uh, this, when is, do you know when this album is from? This would be like mid 2000s. Yeah, isn't I it? Because so. it hasn't aged well. Like the sound of it. Like I started I listening. Assume not. Yeah, I started listening to it, and it sounds very dated. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this was like his musical apex. This is just a weird thing that he did that I enjoy a lot. And I, I remember enjoy his, singing it. I remember <laughs> his first solo album. Um, it had that song that sampled "Staying Alive," and I really kind of dug that and then gone to november is just a classic song yeah i mean really i think he did his best work with the food yeah yeah like and they all hate each other and that'll never happen again womp womp yeah (laughs) lauren hill's like she weird she's yeah she's gone in kind of a weird life she um is a tormented artist Mm -hmm. yeah and she doesn't owe her fans anything. She doesn't owe them no, a second album. No, she gives zero fucks. She doesn't owe them concerts that start on time. Mm-mm. She doesn't. Yeah, I think I remember she was playing in the Twin Cities some time ago. And yeah, I she comes out periodically. Had a moment where I thought, oh, that might be really interesting to go see her perform live. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, you know what? That is going to be a late night. That is going to yeah. be me wondering when she comes on stage. Yeah. And I, I don't think or if, if she comes at I think all. She yeah. She has a little bit of a reputation for that too. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is like my favorite. Okay. I'm not even like ashamed of the fact that I really like that's Wyclef's song about strip clubs. That's okay. Um, which like also there's some deep cuts in here. This like references like a spoken word piece by Chris Rock. Um, <laughs> called there's no sex in the the champagne champagne room room, yeah which i also watched last night and was like that i think about that song a lot actually because that is a parody of the um everybody's free to wear sunscreen yeah uh yeah i remember that chris rock bit i really Mm -hmm. liked that a lot yeah and it's just like dropped in here huh Sounds different times. very contextual. Different times. <laughs> it different is times. different times, yeah. yeah. And this has like a really, you know, it's got like a nice rap interlude yeah. by a lady rapper named Hope. Yo. And <laughs> Shout out to Hope. <laughs> um, she can flex in 25 positions, but she only works here to pay her tuition. So, no judgment. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to unpack. With, yeah, I mean, with Perfect Gentleman. Sometime with like not a lot of prompting, I will sing the entire song for you. <laughs> but I don't feel this is the time. <laughs> no, this might not be the time. This might not be the time. Is this would this be like your go to karaoke song? Um, I feel it's probably not appropriate for public consumption. Maybe in like semi private okay. karaoke context. I don't do karaoke. I don't really do karaoke. I don't, yeah. So maybe it would be. I do know all the words. I don't. I'm not a singer. So I don't do karaoke. No. But I would public performance is not really my I feel like juice. if there were more rap songs in karaoke, I would be more confident about that. Yeah. Um I feel that listening to radio in Minnesota in my car mm-hmm. is preparing me for a life of karaoke. 
you singing along to a lot of just, hits? Just a lot of, well, just, you know, the things that you know are going to be on every karaoke machine. I guess. It's a lot of Guns yeah. N' Roses and mm, Fleetwood Mac mm, yeah. and Boston. Ooh. Toto. Yeah. 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 So, but so now we go into Shakira mm-hmm. and I am not familiar with this one because this is an older song. It's an older song from when she was like just doing Spanish language. Yeah. Before she broke big and um, did her crossover with whenever, wherever. Yeah. I think that was her big crossover. That was the first moment. English and then album. Hips Don't Lie yeah. is the one that is from this tour. Yeah. Yeah. Because she released after the like whenever, wherever wherever whenever i don't remember which direction that goes in but um that was big she, my freshman year of college it was yeah, everywhere yeah i mean it was totally everywhere and like that was in my mtv watching years yeah, like my yeah. definite trl watching years oh, TRL. um and uh um, shout out to carson daly yeah <laughs> the, ho- the hollow shell of a man who now is on nbc as like a daily or as a today show correspondent so i, I feel like i've heard about that and i just don't even want to i want to think of him as like the slightly puffier version of himself that was yeah, on mtv he has definitely uh lost some weight looks um, kind of gaunt yeah no i think he i think he looked healthier and happier on trl <laughs> and i like to i like to remember him that way <laughs> But uh, yeah, so she did that album and then she did another Spanish language album, which was called like Fijacion Oral. Yeah. And then she did a follow up. The English counterpart, yeah. Which was called Oral Fixation. And then I think they were eventually marketed as like a boxed. Oh, okay. I just remember Hips Don't Lie being a big tune. So Hips Don't Lie. And then Wyclef did that song with her, I believe. I don't know if he is featured on it or if he just produced, but I think he was involved with Hipstone. Okay. Live, so, which also makes more sense why they were, they were touring, touring together. I suppose that um, I did not know. Yeah. I think that's, a we actually talk about Shakira a lot at work in the back. Really? Yeah. That's come up. She's come up a couple of times, even she's, before the Super Bowl. Yeah. She, well, and she's having this little moment. Yeah. Moment. Everyone's forgiven her for tax evasion. You apparently know, everyone evades their taxes when you make money that's my that's the thing that's is, yeah, rich, yeah like poor people don't poor people don't know how to evade taxes. and so yeah they pay their taxes so you just pay them but so when you're rich but though, when you're rich you have people to do that shit for you and you and probably don't even know you're evading your taxes I, I think maybe like sometimes Wesley Snipes probably knew, but he told me he didn't have to pay my taxes. And I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> Lauren Hill also didn't pay her taxes. Yes. And she did. She did time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
what so what song is this? Like, what is the translation of this one? The title. Um, Antologia, which I think is just an anthology. That's what I thought. I just didn't want to butcher it because I but don't have a good Spanish dialect. This was like, I think, her really, really big Spanish language hit okay. from earlier in her career. Okay. Because like, and I actually found a live version of this, I think, from the same tour. She did it acoustic. Okay. Um, well, at wasn't that it, concert wasn't it did it, a lot acoustic wasn't it her MTV Unplugged that like kind of started to break her into American audiences it might be she did a lot of this concert which I was kind of surprised by because my previous really big concert experience was in sync, which yeah. is like not known for the acoustic jams or the even necessarily singing live um, which were, is fine because they're dancing were they lip syncing I'm almost certain that they were i mean they just do really complex dance routines and stuff like that and usually for a stadium type show like yeah they lip sync whatever that's fine with me i guess it's tough to tell with the headphone microphone and yeah front they of were your, like doing yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah, miking yeah. and you know that's fine i don't judge people for that <laughs> i enjoyed myself i didn't need to listen to them sing off key um, <laughs> it'd be really out of breath yeah like I wanted to, I was there for the dancing too. So that's fine. But Shakira, Shakira. so Shakira dances a lot in her yeah. and she does kind of like funky stuff. Cause she's like half Lebanese and she does all this like belly dancing and interesting stuff. Well, her hips don't lie. And so her yeah. hips don't lie. But, um, but yeah, she does a big chunk of it acoustic, okay. um, with just like a few, she sometimes plays guitar, I think. Anyway, I found a YouTube video that I think was from this tour okay. of her singing this. And I remember this. This is the main thing I remember about the Shakira concert is how apeshit the crowd was for Shakira. Like she was just like so, so big, mostly with the not white people at that time. Um, and there was just this lunatic lady sitting like down the row from us just yelling all the time. And we were like kind of up in the nosebleeds, yeah. just yelling like Shakira. Like she was going to be able to get her attention. And my sassy friend from El Salvador finally leaned over and was like, she can't hear you. <laughs> but like when this song got played, like everyone's singing the whole thing. And she takes breaks from actually singing it herself. And just oh, wow. the entire stadium is singing it for her. And everyone knows every single word. And like huh. my Spanish, like I took like two years of middle school Spanish. So, so it's like, not that good. It's not that good. But we listened to a lot of this era of Shakira okay. in my dorm room because okay. my friend, who's a native Spanish speaker, would play a lot of her music for us all the time. And she would translate things for us occasionally. And my husband asked if like the double album was like the same songs just translated. And I was like, no, 
my impression of what I know about Spanish pop music is that doesn't work well because they use all these metaphors and stuff like that, which sound great in Spanish, but which don't sound work in English. bizarre in yeah, English. Yeah, that makes sense. Like there's a line in this um, song that I think means something like, he made me like cats. Huh. Which sounds very lyrical in the Spanish. But in the English, it doesn't sound... Not yeah. as much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like something about like lifting her feet off of the cement or something like that. Again, sounds like, you know, and like just Latin derived languages. Everything sounds really romantic. And also like natural rhyme schemes yeah. of like yeah. of like languages yeah. that have, you know, like inflection where... You know, everything sounds good in Italian. Italian rap is really easy to do because I've never heard any everything Italian rhymes rap. really easily. I'm oh, you should. It's not like good, but it's is there like a lot of Italian? Is there a big rap scene in Italy? Um, there is a substantial, I think, rap wow, scene. That's fascinating. Yeah, there's a guy named Fabre Fibra. That's the main Italian rapper I know. Okay. But yeah, it's just like, it's cheating because everything naturally rhymes because everything naturally ends in vowels. Oh, yeah. Um, in like romance languages usually. Okay. Or OS or, you know, whatever for Spanish, but it helps. Okay. Anything else about Shakira? No, she was like, she's got such a funky, weird yeah. vocal quality. It's very throaty. Yeah, it is. Sort of like with like kind of a weird nasal resonance. Did you watch her Super Super Bowl halftime show? I did not watch it during the Super Bowl okay. because I don't care. You weren't um, being sportsy? I was not being sportsy. I am sportsy about certain things, but not football. Okay. But football, I do, That's not, okay. I do not care. But I did watch it on YouTube the okay. next day. Okay. And like, I also like, you know, I was like coming up in the MTV era of like Shakira and mm-hmm. J-Lo and I was like here for it. Nice to see them back out yeah, doing things. Yeah, they killed it. Yeah. J-Lo is like not a young woman She's and 50. she is like yeah. in much better shape than I am.
Um, so now we're going to take another really drastic turn. Yes. And the end of the uh, the end of the songs that you've selected, it, it takes a very drastic turn. It does take a bit of a turn. Because we start with pop music and we end with noise. Yes. Which I and find like, fascinating. Shout out to meeting my husband <laughs> for the turn to noise. <laughs> I, I didn't want to assume. I was like, maybe she just got really into loud noise rock later on in her life. Well, I really enjoy, it turns out, loud noise rock, but I think I didn't know about it until, until okay. I met my husband. Okay. Um, and this... Boris. So the Boris show was in October of 2011. Okay. And we started dating... In September, so this okay. was supposed to be one of our early dates. He and took you to a Boris show on a date. Well, That's we were brazen. supposed to go to a Boris show okay. on a date. Okay, but then my husband at the last minute, at the time, not my husband. Yeah, but Jake at the last Your minute had to caller. go. Gentleman. My gentleman caller. Um, at the, his parents were in New York. We were in Philadelphia uh-huh. going to school together. We were in the same graduate school program. I just started, and um, his parents were in New York. His mom was having kind of a planned knee replacement okay. surgery and they live in Arizona but they believe in the Jewish doctors of New York as all good Jews too so they travel for their procedures and um so they were in New York for a little bit because his mom was supposed to have a knee replacement yeah. and then his dad suddenly had a medical issue that also required a surgery okay and so both of his parents were suddenly slightly incapacitated okay um, kind of unexpectedly. Okay. And so this weekend, my now husband uh-huh. had to go up to New York to help out his parents for a couple okay. of days because this had not been part of their plan um, and they sort of needed an assist. So we found like a friend who wanted to take the Boris ticket. Okay. And so I went with a couple of people that I knew one of them okay. and then he brought along this girl who I did not know who I'm pretty sure somewhere like halfway through the concert like went to the bathroom took it- a lot of drugs and came back with a different personality <laughs>
I think I think that might happen at Noe's shows. Yeah, no, it. I, I thought you were going to say that she went she to the bathroom in. and never came back. Well, I mean, we didn't see a lot of her at the show, okay. but at some point, she did go to the bathroom, came back, radically to different personality. Better or for better or worse. Um, or just different. Different. Okay. I don't think I felt judgmental so much as confused about her personality where shift. what venue was this at this was at a venue called union transfer okay um and so substantial inside okay. like not just a bar okay um and boris has like a pretty as i recall substantial stage setup mm-hmm. they have a zillion amplifiers because sure. it's like just the loudest thing you've ever heard yeah which is like kind i turned out to really enjoy is this the kind of show where they hand out free earplugs at the door with like a warning sign i don't think they handed out free ones but i do remember i got my i got jake some merch Uh after the show because he'd had he was really bummed he's never actually gotten to see boris live so he was really excited about this show he loves wata the tiny little japanese lady guitarist who like shreds so yeah who would love her but um and I remember getting like a package of like it had like a little case, like a little plastic case oh, okay. that had Boris's logo okay. on it okay. that had earplugs. Okay. But I don't think I knew enough to know that I should probably. Maybe he gave me earplugs to take to the and show. You didn't wear them. Maybe I wore them. I don't remember. I remember having like some solid tinnitus for a while <laughs> after this show. But like, but yeah, it was really fun because it's like. You know, just like that loud, heavy music that like makes all of your internal organs like quiver with yeah. the vibrations. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was like, and Wata is like this tiny little serious woman who like plays this like giant Les Paul and like just shreds. And the drummer was like insane, and he had this big gong set up behind him, and every once in a while he just like stand up on top of it, like you know, balancing on the drum kit and just like wailing on this gong, and I was like. I am here for the gong. Totally. I like the I guess gong. if you have it set up, you got to use it. Right? So the tour that they were doing was like the Hope Tour. Okay. And that album that like, it's a single that the tour was named for called Hope. Mm-hmm. And that comes off an album called The New Album. And it has like a little bit more. They're not, I think they refuse to be defined by any one genre. Although a lot of their stuff is like metal or doom. Yeah, I would consider this, this was like doom. a little bit of a lighter poppy album oh, okay, that they were doing, okay. but that's not really. And I know that they played some of that stuff, although I think it sounded different live. Sure. Um, but uh, I let what I like more is they're just kind of like really heavy stuff. And so I kind of just went through and listened to Boris songs and albums for a little while until and this is kind of like more what I remember the concert feeling like. So okay. I picked this song Heavy called Friends. Heavy Friends, yeah. which is off a 2002 album called Heavy Rocks. Yeah. Um, and they just like tour constantly and put out like three albums a year. So there's a lot to choose from. But yeah, is I this, like this a lot. It, it has like a lot of like really good guitar work, but also has that just like very like wall of noise quality. Do you like a lot of like dissonant, like just squalling noise like this? Is this kind of your... I mean, I think I've just developed an appreciation okay, for it. And okay. I think it was something I hadn't had any exposure to okay. when I was younger. Okay. And I think I probably like would have gotten more into like metal and stuff had I known it was out there. Okay, it's never too late. Yeah, to unlock. The so metal like that's definitely something you. like okay. we sometimes listen to. Is this the loudest home. show you've ever been to? 
Or is the next one the loudest show you've ever been to? So the next one was in a smaller venue. And okay. I think as a result, it was more... Intense. Intense. Yeah. Um, so this is... The, you did a twofer. You did two songs. Because I saw Guitar Wolf twice. Okay. I picked two different okay. songs because okay. I saw them two separate times. Okay. So I, and I felt that that was... That's fair. Um, so I don't know anything about Guitar Wolf, except when I when I was pulling these up, it, it just was like feedback right out of the gate. Yeah. So they play. So this is a Japanese band that has been around since 1987. OK. Two of the members are original. OK. Um, the, when I saw them, they were on their second bassist because their first bassist. So Spon- they kind of spontaneously do, combusted. He died of. Either a drug overdose or like cardiac arrest, kind of like caused by heavy drug use. Okay. Base Wolf okay. um, died in the early 2000s. So I know about Guitar Wolf because of my now husband, Jake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he opened for them a couple times oh, wow. with his band in Montana. Okay. Because they came through on North American tours, played his kind of local bar. Okay. And so Jake got to open for them okay. a couple times. And they opened for them before Bass Wolf died. And actually, the second time I think that they opened for them, Bass Wolf died like two days later. Oh, God. Um, so anyway, so Guitar Wolf was like important to my husband for that reason. Like he knew them. He has a guitar that's still back in Montana. A friend of his is holding on to it for him that's signed by Sage. I didn't know that you lived in Montana. Guitarist. I did not live oh, in okay. Montana. My okay. husband did before we met. Oh, OK. But that's okay. like where he did all of his like touring band Okay. Era. Okay. Like he was in like four bands when he lived in Montana for like twelve years. Okay. Um, and that was like his main thing. And then he decided to like go to graduate school and is now a college professor and life comes at you fast. It does. Yeah. Um <laughs> So, so yeah, so they were coming through Philly, uh-huh. so we decided to go see them. They were on their second basis, which is this younger guy named Yuji, okay. who I actually was looking him up, and I guess he'd worked on a construction site with Toru, who's the, who's Drum Wolf. Okay. Um, they go by Guitar Wolf and Drum Wolf and Bass Wolf, traditionally. But Yuji was their second bassist and had never played a bass before and mostly listened to hip-hop music, apparently, before he joined the band. But then was with Guitar Wolf for, like, 12 or 13 years. I mean, they've been around forever. Yeah. Like, Seiji and Toru are, like, not young men. Um, But they're still doing this? But they are, oh, man, and they, like, they go hard. Um, <laughs> And I think in the last couple of years, Yuji quit the band, and they've gone through another couple of bassists. I don't know what's going on right now, but both times I saw them, they were with Yuji okay. um, on bass. And 
they play a brand of rock music that they invented called jet rock. Okay. As in jet plane. Uh Uh-huh. As in as loud and as noisy as an airplane, I think is basically the concept. I can kind of feel those vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they have like kind of like surf rock influences, which you can also, I think, kind of hear. Um, especially probably in the first song that I picked, which is like one of their most famous singles, the Jet Generation one. Um, They kind of had like, this was like from kind of, I think their breakout moment in America. Okay. Okay. So there are a few lyrics uh-huh. like the words jet generation um, in this song that yeah. actually are in English, okay. but most of it is in Japanese and I have no idea what they're talking okay. about. Okay, that's okay. Um, they are, they also have done some like B movie type situations, which are <laughs> enjoyable to watch. They're very interesting. <laughs> kind of like some sci-fi kind of okay. things. Um, so you saw them in Philly. Both so I times saw them in or, Philly okay. both times, okay. and both times they played Johnny Brenda's. Okay. A um, legendary venue that I see uh, on touring rosters for acts that I look at the tour dates for. Yeah, totally. But um, because I've never been to the East Coast. Yeah, so it's kind of like a multi-level bar type venue. Okay. And they played upstairs, I think, both times. I don't even know if I've been downstairs. I don't know if I ever went to Johnny Brenda's. This was not in like the part of Philly that I lived in. Like we had to like take a subway and whatever. Anyway, this was the first time we went and saw Guitar Wolf was when my husband taught me what to do in a bar fight because he was like, you are young and innocent and never go out. So if we get separated, uh-huh. you know, the people that are into this band might be might get a little rowdy. <laughs> So he taught me what to do in a bar fight, which he said was the thing that you do is you take your beer bottle and you break Break it on the bar. Yep. You got to hit it really hard so it actually breaks. Yep. He was like, and then you're small, so Mm -hmm. you need to like have a strategy. He was like, and what you do is you go for the eyes first. He's like, you go eye, eye, and then as people raise their hands to protect their eyes in their natural instinct, they leave their throat exposed and then you go for the neck. So... Have you had to use these skills? I have not had to use these skills, but I feel confident that I would scare the shit out of somebody if I tried. <laughs> but that's um, wild. That's yeah, good to so, know. That's so, good to yeah. Know. So, I always I got to this show and we yeah. went with like a couple other guys from our graduate program. Uh-huh. And Jake was like, Morgan, tell them what you do in a bar fight. And I like demonstrated the eye, eye, neck 
Um, uh huh. And they were impressed. <laughs> Has he been in a situation where he's had to use these skills, or is this just something he worries about? Um, he has not particularly been in a situation where he's okay. using skills. He knows that he would get his butt kicked in a bar fight. I mean, he's a large man, but yeah. he's not a fighter. Okay. And so, I mean, like, not that there hasn't been in- incidents where he has been adjacent to bar fights because he used to tour in a band yeah. and spent a lot of his youth in bars. Yeah. Um, but I think that, like, my father-in-law at some point, like, gave him some advice that was like, <laughs> if anyone ever asks you to, like, step outside with them, like don't (laughs) anytime i think that i'm going to be in danger i think about how you can use the tag of your t-shirt as a shiv because it's sharper than the rest of your t-shirt and then you're going to be fine there you go Actually, uh, my I, I don't go to concerts much anymore because I have terrible concert anxiety. And so, but there was a time where I was trying to go to shows because it was still novel that we lived so close to Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, there's all these great bands that come through and I want to see them and blah, blah, blah. And my wife is always concerned that I'm going to get killed at a concert. Mm-hmm. So I have to always go with a concert buddy. I mean, I so, think that's fair. Yeah. And so there was a time where I was uh, a friend of mine we would go to shows together and he was always like, yeah, I'll be your concert buddy, but I'm not really worried. Like, I don't think anyone's going to hassle us. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, why do you say that? And he's like, you look like the kind of guy who would get into a fight and not give a shit. What <laughs> happens to you? That's what you need to like. And you I'm need to like, get your game face. And I'm like, do sure. I really look that intimidating? He's like, yeah. So I was like, cool. And yeah, we, we got hassled once at a Bon Iver concert by some drunk <laughs> frat people. And I actually had to escort my friend outside because it was going to get real heat. It was going to get real heated. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've never had to break a beer bottle or actually get the tag of my T-shirt ready yeah, to no, shove somebody. I it's, think that Jake has avoided bar fights. And I, part of how they used to avoid that was like at one point, the band he mostly toured with had another guitarist who was like a very small, petite man. Mm-hmm who at one point worked as a bouncer at one of these bars okay. in Montana. And his main skill as a bouncer was just confusing people because he was so small. And Jake describes it as him kind of like looking up at these like big, you know, dudes that were about to fight being like, hey, don't do that. And they'd be like, sorry, little man. <laughs> oh, my apologies. So I think they used to use Charles as a decoy okay. to get themselves out of things. Wow. But he felt that this was knowledge I needed okay. to have, and it stuck with me, and I okay. really associate it with Guitar Wolf now. That's wild, yeah, yeah. Do you still, like, do you put this stuff on at home and just, like, rock out to it, uh, or is this not a thing you guys really Occasionally. like? Occasionally. Okay. I mean, okay. less probably now that we've had uh, a kid. kid. Okay. We, we listen to a lot of, like, Sesame Disco. <laughs> I was, like, keep bumping Raffi in the family car. 
We do not. Okay. But Sesame Disco, my husband actually had on vinyl I, before our son was born. I don't born. know what that is. So Sesame Street sounds... did a disco album okay. and it's actually awesome. Okay. I, like, I missed out the, on a lot the, of this. The first like main track is Cookie Monster <clears throat> singing a song called Me Lost Me Cookie at the Disco. I am Me one, Lost Me Cookie in the Boogie Music. I am 100% on board for this. It's um, really good. You I, should come over and I'll play it for you one day. <laughs> I, like my parents didn't really like forced me to listen to kids music and I like I never gravitated towards kids music mm-hmm. it was just like they listened to a lot of pop music that was big in that time yeah so like I, I have like a very vast knowledge of 1980s pop music yeah and, and I feel really like that's more what stuff. I grew up with I mean we had like some stuff that we used to listen to the car like collections of like kid songs that we could like sing along okay. to that were funny yeah um but also like one of my favorite car tapes when we were kids <laughs> back in the day of the tape was gang. a Patsy Cline tape okay, that we had. Okay. Um, still love Patsy. <laughs> Shout out to Patsy. Yeah. So my son really likes Curtis Mayfield. He loved Curtis Mayfield oh, wow. as a kid. But when he was really little, he was kind of colicky. And my husband had read somewhere that like Doom is kind of good for kids because it sort of sounds like the womb. Uh-huh. And so we used to play Boris sometimes and like Electric Wizard and stuff when he was like really little. <laughs> I play a lot of Elvis for him. Okay. And then also I would play like random things when we were, you know, just like when he was an infant that okay. were like, you know, just that you could like bop around to when he was still in his floppy needed to be held all the time phase, you know, minute work and <laughs> whatever else. <laughs> I, when I was, I was talking to Paige who we used to work with mm-hmm. and she was talking about how she like doesn't listen to like music for grownups anymore in the car because she's got two kids, one of which is old enough to like understand things now. Yeah. And I think that my son is not quite there. Yeah. So we're still, we also don't spend a huge amount of time in the car. She does. By design, she doesn't so. really either, but she was like, we only can listen to Raffi. The days of me listening to Lana Del Rey in the car are over. Yeah. And I, was I like, mean, my son has started repeating things that you gotta, mostly I say. Oh, boy. You, you got to watch it. You can kind of say what the fucking proper context at this point. So oh boy. We're, we're starting to have to. You got to nip that one right now. W- watch our mouths a little bit. That's why <laughs> one of the many reasons I can never be a parent uh, to not an animal is because I swear too much. And it would just be impossible for me to give that up and watch my language in front of a child. Yeah, I feel like I'm just going to end up with a foul mouthed kid because I'm not sure how good I am. You're going to get those calls from the principal. Yeah, I'm just kind of resigned to that. Okay. You know, that's life. Just as long as they know when to use it, how to use it. Exactly. I'm kind of proud of him that he's already like putting it in the right context. Good for him. Saying it at the right time. Little man. Bad, bad parenting. <laughs> no, it's fine. That's fine. Um, is there anything else you want to, uh, you know, there's one question that I always want to ask guests and I sometimes forget to ask guests. And now that we've reached the end of your podcast, mm-hmm. I'm going to remember to ask this. What is your earliest musical memory? I usually ask at the, at the beginning with the hopes that they'll think about it if they need to think about it and we get to it at the end, but I don't want to put you on the spot. So I feel like I remember when I was a kid, my dad used to like play music and he wanted us to like no you know yeah no things no things you know one of the things you can do to your children is to quiz them about trivia that you you've decided is important um <laughs> i also know a weird about amount about like tunnel construction um in new york city but um 
I do remember, and also like the story got told when I was a kid, so that probably reinforced the memory. So there was, we lived in this apartment complex in Manhattan that was kind of, you know, like an upscale housing project. Yeah, okay. GI Bill kind of housing. Okay. And um, there were these sort of little cul-de-sac-y areas, sort of not on like the main city okay. streets, like kind of like interior to the complex. And there was this older black gentleman that used to run a little like ice cream cart Okay. Um, on one of them. Like not like a truck, like a cart. Okay, like yeah, yeah. Urban, urban yeah. style, you know, umbrella and whatever. And he used to have like a boom box, so he'd play music. And we were walking by him one day and he's playing Coltrane. Okay. Like New York had a pretty good jazz radio station so he's probably just playing that like 88.1 or whatever and um we were walking by and like i was probably like i don't know five my so my older yeah. sister's like seven at the time we're walking by and my dad was like what's playing girls it's like two tiny little blonde white girls <laughs> we're like cold trained dad and like Ice cream guy was just like, mind blown. <laughs> just small white children walking by him being like, that's John Coltrane. <laughs> and I feel like that's like that's one a re- of my really good. That's really good. That's <laughs> musical good. memories. <laughs> that you shook that ice cream man right to the core with yeah. your knowledge of jazz because mm-hmm. your dad forced you to, to know. That's yeah. great. But I like Coltrane now as an yeah, adult. Yeah. There was a period where my husband and I would listen to like Coltrane ballads before bed and mm-hmm. it was like really soothing. And I was thinking about it the other night. I was like, we should do that again. Life's stressful right now. Like the world is a stressful place. Yeah, we people, should probably just like people are under a lot listen of stress to some right now. like nice mellow jazz. Yeah. There you go. So there we go. There we go. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up or are you good? I think I'm good. This is great. Thank you so much for sliding through. I really appreciate it. This has been a wild adventure through concerts you've paid money to go see. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe when my kid's older, I'll go to another one. (laughs) Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Kevin. City, city, city.